Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella and I'm very excited and largely for selfish purposes because we have Dr. Nathan Bryan on the show today. Nathan, how are you? Ella, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Well, the reason I came banging down your door is because we had Dr. Rand McLean on recently and I started asking him questions about nitric oxide and why it matters and what we need to know about it and how to boost it. And he was like, stop, you need to talk to Dr. Nathan Bryan. And so here we are. Here we are. Yeah, Grant's Grant's a great guy, good friend, and uh, he's done really good work. Nathan, tell us a little bit about you. Who are you and what do you do? Sometimes I ask myself that same question every day. (laughs) Now, I'm a biochemist and physiologist by training. I've been in the nitric oxide field for more than 25 years. In fact, that's how I spent my entire professional career, 20 years in academic medicine as a professor of molecular medicine. Really, I'm trying to understand the basic science and biochemistry of nitric oxide. How does it, how's it made in the human body? What goes wrong in people that can't make it? What happens to them? What are the clinical consequences? And then perhaps the most important question and riddle we solved is how do we restore and recapitulate nitric oxide safely and effectively in the human body? Don't worry, my friends who are listening. We're going to explain why this matters and why this is so critically important. But I got interested in this whole topic after I read Dr. Kara Fitzgerald's Younger You book. And I've interviewed Dr. Fitzgerald, and I'll post that link in the show notes. But she talks a great deal about how the role that that plays in reversing biological age. So if someone's talking about reversing biological age, like they have my attention. But can you tell me, please, I'm dying to know, how did you get interested in nitric oxide? (laughs) Yeah, it goes back to, I guess, I graduated from University of Texas in uh, 1997 with a bachelor's degree in biochemistry and quickly realized, you know, a bachelor's degree in biochemistry wasn't great for good jobs. So I realized I had to go back and expand my education. So I enrolled at LSU School of Medicine in a PhD program in molecular and cellular physiology. A Nobel Prize had just been awarded for the discovery of nitric oxide. So that's what I did. I completed my PhD in nitric oxide really physiology and molecular biology. And we figured out a way to detect and quantify nitric oxide. We made a lot of discoveries. I published, I think, six first doctor papers during my first two years as a student. And then I went to Boston and did a fellowship in cardiology and vascular biology. And then I you know, got hired on as an assistant professor of medicine at the Institute of Molecular Medicine and University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston. And it was there I just spent really the first couple of years just you know, trying to enable patents and really demonstrate that the discoveries we'd made had clinical utility. And so make a long story short, we made a lot of discoveries. I've got several dozen issued patents and So now we understand, we basically answered every question that I set out to answer in my academic career. We know how the human body makes nitric oxide. We know what goes wrong in people that can't make it. We know the clinical consequences. We now know how to fix it. But getting back to your question, I just wanted to put that in context. But nitric oxide is one of the most important molecules produced in humans. It controls things like blood pressure, the regulation of blood flow. It's responsible for normal sexual function. It's responsible for insulin signaling and metabolic processes and, you know, recalling memory. It's how our immune system fights off invading pathogens from viruses and bacteria. Uh, And it's a neurotransmitter in the central nervous system. 
So now people, you can get an appreciation for the fact that if you lose the ability to make nitric oxide, there's a lot of stuff that's going to go wrong in you and you're going to present with many different clinical presentations and clinical problems. And then does nitric oxide, does our natural production decline as we age? Do I have that right? No, that's correct. So one of the first pathways to be discovered was through an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase. This enzyme is found in the lining of the blood vessels. It's found in neurons, it's found in our immune cells. But the function of that enzyme, and it's due primarily to diet and lifestyle, so that enzyme becomes uncoupled and it long, no longer produces nitric oxide. So on average, if you look at like population-based studies, we lose about 10 to 12% of our nitric oxide production. And we call this endothelial dysfunction. We lose about 10% of that function per decade. So by the time we're 40 or 50, we only have about 50% of the nitric oxide we had when we were younger. But that doesn't have to be the case. You know, we can actually prevent this age-related decline. We know how to recouple the NOS enzyme, maintain its normal function. But if you look at population-based studies, the trend is very clear. The older we get, the less we make. Let's go to science class for just a moment, but just maybe science 101, Nathan. Sure. <laughs> We're not, we won't go graduate level, but <laughs> can you tell me how it's produced in the body? So there's an amino acid called L-arginine, and this enzyme through a very complex, it's called a five-electron oxidation reaction, converts arginine to nitric oxide. So it's energetically and kinetically unfavorable, meaning you need to put a lot of energy in and everything's got to be just right for this enzyme to work to make nitric oxide. So the function of that enzyme becomes less active with age. But then we recognized about 20 years ago, there's a, there's a backup or a compensatory pathway. And we can feel that through diet. And this explains things like a plant-based diet, the Japanese diet, Mediterranean diet, dietary approaches to stop hypertension. The mechanism of all those dietary patterns is that the food choices have high nitrate, which is found in green leafy vegetables. Then when we consume these vegetables, 90 minutes later, it's put back in our salivary glands. Now, each time we salivate, it's feeding some essential nitrate-reducing bacteria in the mouth. And then when we swallow our saliva, we get a burst of nitric oxide in the lumen. Provided we have the right bacteria, provided we're getting enough nitrate from our diet, and provided we have sufficient stomach acid production. Okay, I want to talk specifically about what types of foods help, but let's not get there yet. I'm going to stay in science yeah. class for just another moment. <laughs> let's say I'm your average 44-year-old. I'm not super athletic. I'm just kind of living my life. What are some ways I might observe a decline in nitric oxide, whether I'm male or female? Sure. Well, first thing that happens is you're going to develop some type of sexual dysfunction, and it's both erectile dysfunction in men and women. So if you think about this, when we're, we're stimulated, right? then that tells our sex organs to make nitric oxide, which dilates the blood vessels and then increases blood flow. And that's engorgement. It's clitoral engorgement or it's penile engorgement. And that's responsible for normal sexual function. So if you can't make nitric oxide, then you don't get dilation of the blood vessels of the sex organs and you develop erectile dysfunction. It occurs in both men and women. That's typically the first sign and symptom. In fact, we call that the canary in the coma. Secondly, you get an, you get an elevation in blood pressure. Nitric oxide is a vasodilator, so it keeps the blood vessels soft and compliant and your blood pressure normal. If you lose the ability to make nitric oxide, your blood vessels don't dilate, they become stiff, and you start to develop high blood pressure. The other things is if you, you know, climb up a flight of steps and you become short of breath or you're exercise intolerant, you can't do the things you did when you were younger without tiring and you know, chronic fatigue and you know, just lack of energy. Uh, the other is you start to lose your memory. You know, mild cognitive disorders, forget where you leave your keys. And all of these are blood flow problems that are secondary to the loss of nitric oxide production. 
You know, it's so interesting about that. And I'm sure you see this all the time, Nathan, but a lot of people experience what you're describing and they attribute it to this thing called aging. And they just, it, it's almost like, ah, that's what's supposed to happen. Um, and it's not happy news, but it is accepted news. And what I love about what you're saying is, uh, no, <laughs> not normal, not necessary, entirely preventable and or addressable. So let's take that scenario and say, now I'm hypothetically, allegedly, reportedly, like say, I don't know, a 49-year-old, highly active athlete of a person, 49 and 11 twelfths, if we're hypothesizing. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to boost my nitric oxide production. What are some benefits I would see if I were able to successfully boost? So I'm kind of reversing the question a bit. Yeah. Well, one thing you're going to see is if you're if you're an athlete, you're going to be able to perform better. And we know mechanistically how this happens. We're improving mitochondrial function. So the mitochondria are the organelles of the cell that make energy so these cells can do their job. So not only are we going to improve the efficiency of mitochondrial ATP production, but we're going to improve and increase the number of mitochondria per cell. So nitric oxide induces mitochondrial biogenesis. Nitric oxide improves the efficiency of oxygen utilization to make energy. You're going to get better blood flow, regulation of better blood pressure. You're going to have better sexual function, your memory. You're going to get better mental clarity, memory recall, and you're just going to feel better. Right? Your skin's going to look better because, and as we know, the skin is an outward reflection of our internal health. If you're un if you're not healthy systemically, then you're not going to you know, have good skin and look, uh, you know, hopefully reverse the, the aging process where you don't look as old as we are chronologically. Before we get into all these different ways that you can boost it nutritionally or through physiological things that you can do and supplements, et cetera, et cetera. What are some things that disrupt nitric oxide production outside of aging, independent of aging, I should say? Well, I think if you follow the advice of the government, what's called the standard <laughs> of care, <laughs> So, and, and it's, you know, it, it's funny, but it's really not funny, but it's, 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 it's only funny because it's true and it's not funny <laughs> at all. Right. All at the yeah. same time. So if you follow the government pyramid, food pyramid, then you're going to lose the ability to make nitric oxide. The other thing, and this is the aha moment, the standard American diet completely disrupts nitric oxide production. I mean, it's an inflammatory diet and it's an awful dietary pattern. And the consequences of that are obvious. we got the sickest population on the face of the earth, no other time in the history of the planet. I couldn't agree with you more. Tell us why that is true. What does the way we eat have to do with nitric oxide disruption? Well, we live in a very fast-paced world where most people are eating highly processed food and it's not nutri nutrient-dense. But let's just go back to the basics. Since 1940s, there's been a 78% decline in the nutrients in the food that's grown in America, the vegetables. So the pressures of feeding a growing population has been at the expense of nutrient density. So typically, even if you try to eat healthy, we're not getting the nutrients we need. Trace minerals, things like chromium, selenium, iodine, B vitamins, magnesium, those aren't in the foods that are grown in the U.S. anymore. So, but getting back to the other, it's, a, it's both a, a depletion of certain nutrients, but it's also eating things that are really unhealthy. You know, a lot of these seed oils, polyunsaturated fatty acids, you know, a lot of chemicals in foods the glyphosate, the herbicides, the pesticides that's grown on vegetables, all of those things disrupt nitric oxide production. So what we have to do is we have to eat a balanced diet and, and eat local, buy local. You know, we, we grow our own food. We, we raise our own beef. We grow our own vegetables. I know what's in the food we eat. And 
you know, we get nutrient dense food, but not everybody is afforded that. I mean, most people have to go to the grocery store and buy their food, but you have to make wise choices. So that's the first problem. And it's, and it's a huge problem. The other kind of aha moment for people is mouthwash. You know, two out of three Americans wake up every morning and use mouthwash. And two out of three Americans have an unsafe elevation in blood pressure. And that is not a coincidence. So when you use mouthwash, what does it do? Well, the commercials tell you what it does, right? It kills 99.99% of the bacteria in your mouth. Well, the bacteria that live in and on our body outnumber our own human cells 10 to 1. So when you kill off the bacteria in and on your body, bad things happen. You disrupt the microbiome. These bacteria live in and on our body to do things that we as humans can't do. And one of those is providing a source of nitric oxide. So when you use mouthwash, you kill the good bacteria, the nitric oxide producing bacteria, your blood pressure goes up. I was on the doctor's show a couple of years ago. We showed that you lose the protective benefits of exercise. So you would be the perfect example. You're very health conscious. You try to eat a good diet. You're very active athletically. But if you use mouthwash, you eliminate the health promoting benefits of a good diet and of your exercise regimen. So I tell people, if you use mouthwash, you have to stop. The risk benefit quotient is now way higher in the risk category, and it's really providing you zero benefit. Is it the alcohol in the mouthwash? In other words, are the, the natural mouthwashes more acceptable? We really don't know the answer to that. Here's what we do know. We know that most alcohol-based, all alcohol-based mouthwashes, any antiseptic, whether it's alcohol or some chemical antiseptic like chlorhexidine or some other antiseptic, all of those are indis- kind of indiscriminate in killing a bacteria. Kill the bad guys, kill the good guys. We don't know about things like some essential oils, oil pulling, some of these so-called natural ways. We just, we, we haven't done the research to know, but here's what we do know. If you use an antiseptic, you disrupt the microbiome, shuts down nitric oxide production, and that puts you on a very slippery slope to development of hypertension, cardiovascular disease, erectile dysfunction, and the list goes on and on. Yeah, if I've done about 300 or so episodes, Nathan, and if people only give up dryer sheets and mouthwash after listening to my show for seven years, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. No, look, and these are, these are very simple things. We're not asking you to take on new tasks and create new habits. We're asking you to eliminate some things that you were doing and probably don't don't understand the the consequences of that. The other problem is fluoride. You know, I tell people fluoride is an antiseptic. It's a neurotoxin and it destroys your thyroid function. We got a global pandemic of hypothyroidism. So if you're using fluoride toothpaste, get rid of fluoride. Most municipal water supply has fluoride in the water supply. So you got to get a home filtration, remove the fluoride. It's not just the water you're drinking. It's the water you're bathing in, you're cooking in. We're getting fluorinated. So if you can just do those two things, it will make a world of difference. In fact, I get texts and phone calls all the time. People say, look, I stopped using mouthwash and I started getting off my blood pressure medicine. So what we're finding is if you can restore production of nitric oxide through the oral cavity, it's regulating systemic blood pressure. And so now if you get out of the way and stop this nitric oxide, this, what's disrupting the nitric oxide production, then you get better regulation of blood pressure and you can get people off blood pressure medicines. And that's very disruptive. You know, big pharmaceutical companies don't want you taking their customers and getting them off the medicine that they're supposed to take for the rest of their life. And the other major problem is antacids. You know, antacids have been shown to disrupt nitric oxide production. These drugs were never designed and never approved by the FDA for chronic use. But yet people have been taking these PPIs over the counter for 10, 20, 30 years. Data published several years ago shows that people who have been on these for three to five years have a 40% higher incidence of heart attack and stroke. So these antacids are killing people 
40% higher incidence of heart attack and stroke. And it's because they're disrupting the nitric oxide production that blood vessels become stiff, plaque becomes unstable, plaque ruptures, heart attack and stroke. Question in that same vein, so to speak, is erectile dysfunction also trending in the wrong direction? Absolutely. You know, 50% of the men over the age of 40 self-report erectile dysfunction, self-report. So I, obviously the numbers are much higher because most people in their early 40s aren't going to self-report erectile dysfunction. And I know a lot of clinical colleagues who are seeing kids 18, 20, 21, 24 years old with full-on erectile dysfunction. I mean, no function whatsoever. But, you know, then I hear just the opposite. 70, 80-year-old men with normal erectile function that are still sexually active because they're employing these things and restoring their nitric oxide production, improving their vascular biology, improving blood flow, and improving the function of every organ in the body. This stuff is mind-blowing to me, and I've been doing this for many years, and I'm still completely mind-blown at how little profit there is in health, and therefore how obscured some of these very simple solutions can be. And I just, like, I'm sitting here thinking there are people who have been popping antacids or taking them Uh regularly as a prescription, then they're in line for Viagra, and they don't understand that there could possibly be a relationship there. Now, look, we understand the mechanism and the etiology of every single chronic disease. And think about this. And if you think about it, it makes sense. But medicine doesn't teach future physicians in in, in medical school. And I taught in medical schools for a number of years. So it doesn't matter if it's Alzheimer's, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, lung disease. The characteristics of all those diseases are decreased blood flow, inflammation, oxidative stress, and immune dysfunction. So what does nitric oxide do? It improves blood flow decreases inflammation, inhibits oxidative stress, and prevents immune dysfunction. That single molecule gets to the root cause of every single, the mechanism of every chronic disease that's known in humans worldwide. Okay, well, let's talk about some ways to naturally boost and supplement your nitric oxide production. And can I throw some rapid fire things at you to either comment on or dispel? Because I'd only know enough to be dangerous. And by the way, Dr. Nathan Bryan is a doctor. I am not. And neither of us is your doctor. So you need to be having these conversations with your practitioner. But let me ask you this. There's much more talk about nasal breathing these days, at least in my circles, um, than there was five years ago, even. I understand that if I can focus more on nasal breathing while I'm exercising, even while I'm sleeping, that I might boost my nitric nitric oxide. Is that true? Maybe. And the answer is depending upon the function of that enzyme. So as we we talked about earlier, that that enzyme, nitric oxide synthase enzyme is found in the endothelial cells, in the lining of the blood vessels. It's also found in the highest concentration in the epithelial cells. So the cells that line the, the airway sinuses. So when we can activate or stimulate nitric oxide production in the endothelium and the epithelium through nasal breathing, so we have these mechanoreceptors that detect this flow of air, then that tells these, this enzyme to make nitric oxide. And then if you make nitric oxide, you deliver it into the pulmonary, the bronchioles. It's a bronchodilator, so it opens up the, the bronchioles so you get better oxygen exchange if you make nitric oxide. But the, here's the problem. If you have endothelial dysfunction, you have epithelial dysfunction. So if the enzyme is uncoupled, when you do nasal breathing, you can stimulate it, activate it till the cows come home. But if that enzyme doesn't make nitric oxide, because it can't, then you're not going to get any nitric oxide. So young people, when they do nasal breathing, you see pretty much a lot of nitric oxide. The older you get, the less you make. So now we know how to recouple that NOS enzyme. 
So now when you practice nasal breathing, that enzyme is functional. It's going to produce nitric oxide. When you do deep breathing, you can lower your blood pressure. You can improve oxygen delivery. And it's calming. and activates the parasympathetic nervous system. So the answer is it depends. And you know, if, you have, if you're old and endothelial dysfunction, then no. You can breathe till the cows come home, but you're never going to get any nitric oxide. We have to fix the function of the enzyme first. Okay. I want to ask you about the Cialis's and Viagra's of the world. Yeah. Yep. What is your take then on the prescription drugs to address erectile dysfunction like Viagra and Cialis? And those are just the names that I've heard. So those are the brand names, but that's a class of drugs called phosphodiesterase inhibitors. These drugs were originally uh, indicated for things like pulmonary hypertension and for coronary artery disease because they're vasodilators, right? So they improve blood flow. But these drugs mechanistically are dependent upon the body's ability to make nitric oxide. So here, here's the data. These drugs have been on the market for 25 years. 50% of the men that are prescribed Viagra do not respond with better erections. So why is that? It's because their body can't make nitric oxide to activate this pathway. So that tells us that erectile dysfunction is a symptom of insufficient nitric oxide production. And now we've got clinical data that if we restore nitric oxide through our product technology, the people that were non-responsive to Viagra Cialis now become responsive. You can titrate down the dose of these drugs, making them safer. So I'm a big fan of these when they're used, you know, logically and you know, you mitigate the side effects. And here's really what came out of data where we mined probably 10 years of data. People who had been on low-dose Cialis, 5 milligram and even some Viagra patients, if you track these patients over 10 years, there's about a 40% reduction in Alzheimer's. So what does that mean? If you can maintain blood flow to the brain, your chances of developing Alzheimer's is decreased by something like 40%. So for me, it's all about blood flow, but it's not blood flow being directed or regulated by Cialis and Viagra. Let's restore the production of nitric oxide. Now there's no need for those drugs. We can do it naturally. Absolutely mind-blowing. Is it like if you say you're going to focus on nasal breathing, but those two things that you said aren't functioning correctly, it's almost my third grade version of this is that it's almost like the system's unplugged. So if the system's unplugged, you can input all you want and it's not going to boost nitric oxide production. No, you're exactly right. And it's it's, it's a homodimer. So it's two identical twins of this enzyme. And when they become uncoupled, you lose the flow of electrons through there and you don't get any nitric oxide. So I think the unplugging analogy is, is extremely relevant here. So good job. You're a biochemist. Hi, you great, great me. news. I can explain <laughs> the benefits and the downside of Viagra to a third grade class. <laughs> That's right. This episode is brought to you by Mayra, who left a five-star review. Read by DJ Curtis J. Thanks, Mayra. Five stars from Mayreville, who says, I have listened to Ella's podcast since it started, and honestly, it just keeps getting better. Thank you, Ella, for continuing to support and shepherd us into the best versions of ourselves. So now I want to start talking about how to boost this and what everybody wants to know, you know, and what we should do and maybe like good, better and best, Nathan. But first, could you tell me, so I asked you about nasal breathing. Is there anything sort of physiologically related that we can or should be doing before we get into things we can consume or use? Well, it's what we've known for many decades, if not centuries now, it's, it's a balanced diet in moderation and it's, uh, moderate physical exercise and 20 to 30 minutes of sunlight a day. Those are kind of like the most common things that you can do. But, you know, I tell people all the time, it's not just what you do, it's what you don't do. So 
you can exercise, you can eat right, and you can get sunlight. But if you're using mouthwash, you've got fluoride and using antacids, none of that's going to work. So we just have to get out of the way and let the body do its job. So I tell people to produce nitric oxide, you only got to do two things. Stop doing the things that disrupt it and start doing the things that promote it, right? So no, no mouthwash, no fluoride, no antacids. And then, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of aerobic exercise a day. You know, weight training is really good because there's a phenomenon called ischemic preconditioning. So when we're lifting weights, the muscles are contracting and it's causing brief periods of ischemia to the blood supply. So when the muscle contracts, it squeezes the blood vessels. So there's brief periods of intermittent hypoxia, which then tell the body, hey, I need more blood vessels. I need to really perfuse this organ because I'm getting periods of oxygen. So then you can get you know, better muscle gain, you can get better vascularity, and you just get more blood to that tissue. Do you feel that going from heat to cold immersion has any impact on nitric oxide? Well, let's go, let's talk about like heat and thermogenesis and like infrared saunas. I'm a big fan of infrared saunas. I, I sit in an infrared sauna every day of my life when I'm home. And most of the time I'll go and stay in hotels that actually have an infrared sauna. So even when I'm traveling, I can do it. Oh, I never cold, even thought of that. You know, the cold plunges, I mean, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a process called hormesis. It's, yeah. it's shocking the body for a brief period of time. So you get this adaptive response. Now, is nitric oxide involved? Probably, but do I know exactly the mechanism? No. I was looking for an expert to tell me that cold immersion is a terrible idea and not recommended if you want to. Well, you know, I've spoken to a lot of cardiologists and if you have, you know, if you're susceptible to cardiovascular disease, then a cold plunge is really not a good idea. In fact, it's, it's contraindicated because it's a shock on the system. And if you don't have good cardiac function or good perfusion through the coronary arteries, then that shock could be, you know, a deadly shock. In all seriousness, I've heard the same thing about if you have thyroid conditions, that it can be terribly disruptive. If you already have thyroid disruption, then cold immersion should be looked at with uh, great scrutiny is another no, I, I completely agree because, you know, your thyroid is set your basal metabolic rate. And if your body can't create thermogenesis, then your body can't respond to that cold plunge and, and basically rewarm the body. And then you can you know, go into hypothermia. But yeah, you have to have adequate thyroid function. And, you know, that's a big, it's a big fad now, but I, you, know, you have to be aware of your own individual health condition because you don't want to do things that are going to put you at risk. Like anything, right? Like anything. Okay. Let's talk about things we can be consuming or doing. And everyone at this point has probably heard a rumor that beets are good for you. Can you please talk to me about are beets truly a quote superfood? I'm being a little facetious when I say that, but are beets actually a nitric oxide powerhouse? Talk to me about that. Uh, the simple answer is no. It's, it goes back to the nasal bream. It can be but most of the products out there and most of the companies selling you beets aren't doing anything in terms of nitric oxide. The only thing it's doing is turning your pee and your poop pink and causing a lot of anxiety. And so I've tested every beet product on the market. 99% of these beet products do not do anything towards nitric oxide production. So buyer beware, there are a lot of companies out there selling you a bill of goods and trying to convince you it's making nitric oxide. And there's nothing super about certain beets. I can tell you that. And people are trying to now convince you that you can get nitric oxide in gummies or chews. I mean, come on. I mean, nitric oxide's a gas. Can you put a gas in a gum? And these gummies are so full of sugar. Even if they did produce nitric oxide, we glycate the enzyme and shut down everything else you're doing. So no, beets typically are not a primary source of nitric oxide. 
And most of these companies are buying the cheapest beet powder out there. We call them dead beets because they're really dead beet. They provide no nutrient value, no nitric oxide activity whatsoever. I want to be clear. We're not talking about the whole food. If you're buying it from your farmer's market and eating beets every day, good for you. But what you're referring to is this absolute explosion, Nathan, in the beet supplement, beet powders, um, as you said, beet gummies industry and everyone selling you things that you're saying generally are just going to turn your pee red and give you a heart attack. (laughs) No, that's right. They provide no, no nitric oxide benefit whatsoever. In fact, I've I've tested these. I've got a YouTube channel and I encourage people, if you've got a nitric oxide product, send it to me or tell me what it is and I'll test it for you. We, we, we have a nitric oxide analyzer. We can quantify, detect, and verify if a product produces nitric oxide or even enhances nitric oxide production. What about the food? Are you a beet eater, Nathan? No, I'm not. You know, we published a study in, with Texas A&M University back in 2015 because we were trying to answer your exact question you posed. How do I enhance nitric oxide production and which foods would I eat? So we went to five cities across the U.S. and we bought I don't know, six different categories of vegetables. We brought it back to the lab. What we found was that the nutrient density or so-called the nitrate content of food in Dallas was maybe 50-fold different than food grown in New York. And same, the same difference in L.A. and Chicago and Raleigh, North Carolina. So there are regional differences. So there's no way in hell we can make recommendations on so you need to eat, if you eat five stalks of celery, you can get enough nitric oxide to manage your blood pressure. If you lived in Dallas or Los Angeles, you could. If you lived in New York, you'd have to eat 80 stalks of celery. And the same thing with broccoli, spinach, arugula. And these are conventionally grown. And here's the shocker. This is kind of the jaw-dropping moment. Organically grown vegetables have, on average, 10 times less nitrate than conventionally grown. So you Fine. cannot eat enough organic vegetables to get enough nitrate to manage your blood pressure. Nathan, why? Well, organic, to get an organic label in the U.S., obviously you can't add herbicides or pesticides, but there's restrictions on nitrogen-based fertilizers added to the soil, right? They, wanna, you wanna, they want you to add manure, compost, uh, things like that. So there's no standardization of the nitrogen in the fertilizers you're applying. So most soils are deficient in nitrate or nitrogen, and then the plants don't assimilate the nitrate or the nitrogen into nitrate, and then the plants need nitrogen to assimilate other nutrients. So organically grown vegetables are good because you're not exposed to herbicides or pesticides. But the nutrient density of organically grown vegetables are typically 10 times less, at least in terms of nitrate that we've published on in research. Okay, so this is where my listeners are about to chuck their phone across the room, because basically... I'm going to hazard a guess that 0.001% of us have home gardens where we're growing our own fruit and vegetables. So Nathan, this is the point in our journey where you tell us what we need to be doing and how to do this differently. Throw in some more green leafy vegetables, you know, and buy local. So here's what I do. I have my own garden. I add nitrogen to the fertilizer. So I do a soil sample every year. So it tells me what's in the soil, what's not in the soil. So then I can add back what's missing. So we add, if I need 28% nitrogen, I'm going to buy 20% nitrogen and add it to the soil. So my food is not organic, but I don't spray it with anything. I don't use a GMO seed. I don't put herbicides, pesticides on it. So it's really nutrient-dense food with no chemicals or, or pesticides. And then the other thing is, you know, 20, 30 minutes of sunlight a day or an infrared sauna, there's certain wavelengths of light that'll, that'll release nitric oxide from, from the tissue and manage your blood pressure. 20 to 30 minutes of exercise a day. And that could be just a brisk walk. You don't have to kill yourself and run a marathon or triathlon 
It's just moderate physical exercise, enough to, to get the blood moving, to activate nitric oxide, and to create, you know, an increase in heart rate and, you know, an increased demand on, on respiration and oxygen. That's the adaptive response that tells my body, hey, if I do this again, I'm going to need more oxygen. For more oxygen, I'm going to need more nitric oxide to dilate the blood vessels. And that's the adaptive response. So those are the simple things. And again, if you do that and just eliminate fluoride, mouthwashing, and acids, people are going to be just amazed at the results they get just from those simple things. Well, I consider that to be great news. And I still have a question about supplements though. I have heard, and I uh, may very well mispronounce this, but L-arginine and L-citrulline, again, yes. pronunciation question mark. Now those are, those are amino acids. So those are two of the 21 essential amino acids. So there's a number of products that have arginine and citrulline nitric oxide products. Arginine products typically don't work. In fact, there's two clinical trials showing that if you take arginine, it could cause an increase in death if you've had a prior heart attack or if you have peripheral artery disease. So patients with endothelial dysfunction should avoid L-arginine products. And our body's never deficient in arginine. It's a semi-essential amino acid, meaning you get it from the diet, from the breakdown of proteins, and it's made endogenously through the urea cycle. So if we're never deficient in arginine, there's no need to ever supplement arginine. So we put that to bed years ago. Save your money. You don't need arginine. You don't need citrulline. That's so funny because if you Google just how to boost nitric oxide, you get told, okay, so what you're going to need to do is breathe through your nose, free base beats and take an L-arginine and L-citrulline supplement. And you're saying, how about you don't take antacids, don't use mouthwash, especially if they're bright blue or bright green, if I can ad lib there and get a little bit of exercise and a little bit of sunlight. And I like your way, Nathan. Okay. But let me ask you this just between us. Do you take supplements and what do you like and what can you tell me about? No, I do. Look, I think we have to take supplements because again, even though I try to eat, we all try to eat, you know, healthy and and do the things. Everybody's busy. You know, I'm on an airplane every week. I'm traveling somewhere and it's hard to eat healthy when you're traveling in an airport, in a hotel. So I have to supplement and I, I do periodic, you know, trace mineral micronutrient tests. So I know exactly what my body has, what I'm missing, and then I supplement that. So it's really personalized nutrition and personalized medicine. But I take a, a humic and a fulvic because I think that provides me with kind of the base trace minerals and nutrients. I don't know what those are. Will you spell that real quick? Yes. Yeah, so humic, H-U-M-I-C and fulvic, Okay. So this this is kind of basically everything the cell needs to, to or the body needs to make a new cell that works kind of the raw material, the base material. And then I take, uh, you know, Corella and Spirulina, these algae products, because not only are they really nutrient dense, but they're good binders to help eliminate toxins in the body. Uh, I take fiber every night just to maintain, you know, taking fiber is the number one preventive thing you can do to prevent colon cancer. So that's a very simple thing you do. It regulates your bowel movements and it's, uh, you know, kind of enhances nutrient uh, uptake in the gut. And it provides a, a prebiotic and a probiotic for the for the gut microbiome. And then I take my nitric oxide supplements. You know, I do everything humanly possible to keep my nitric oxide levels up. And, you know, there's some days I don't exercise or some days I can't eat properly. And so I take a daily nitric oxide lozenge that I developed. And it's, you know, it's really the only technology. I was the first person to ever develop a solid dose form of a bioactive gas. So we deliver nitric oxide gas in the form of a lozenge. You put it in your mouth, it dissolves over five minutes, and it releases nitric oxide. 
So the whole basis for this was if your body can't make nitric oxide, then I'm going to do it for you. More importantly, we're going to fix the reason your body can't make it. We restore the, the normal flora in the mouth and we restore the function of the enzyme. So now think about this. If you take my laws and now you do nasal breathing, you're going to optimize the nitric oxide benefits of nasal breathing. If you take the lozenge and you go out in the sunlight, we're going to enhance the nitric oxide release by the sunlight. You're going to get optimization of the nitric oxide through that way. And we're going to enhance your exercise performance and your sexual function and your cognition and make everything better because we're improving blood flow to every organ, tissue, and cell in the body. We're enhancing oxygen delivery. We're decreasing inflammation, oxidative stress, and immune disease. And that's what we do. Okay. I did not know you did that. I want to try it. <laughs> okay. You're going to try. Can I get a coupon code so my listeners can try it too? Absolutely. We're going to create a, a, a coupon code called Ella and your listeners are going to get 10% off and free shipping. And you're going to get a chance to experience these products yourself. And they're, it's a new category in nutrition and supplements. And so these are products that generate nitric oxide. We can demonstrate it, verify it, quantify it in every product we bring to market. We do it through the lozenge. We made a topical a uh, skincare product, a dual chamber that when you apply it to the surface of the skin, it creates nitric oxide. You can actually see the skin turn pink. So we're improving blood flow. We've got five published clinical trials. You improve hydration, collagen deposition, fine lines and wrinkles go away. And that's a new category in skincare. Okay. I feel silly because I pride myself on the research that I do before I invite my guests on. I had no idea that you did this and I would like your website, please, because <laughs> I did not have this. And two, I have a product expansion idea for you right now. And okay. that is to take that lotion or that cream that you just mentioned and sell it as a remove your goggle marks <laughs> antidote, yeah. because if it brings blood flow right there, you can immediately solve the problems of every triathlete over the age of 40 <laughs> who has goggle marks for three days after one swim. Okay. So we can do that together. Okay. Well, we, we, I think we already have that. We just have to position it for you, uh, triathlete. <laughs> So there you go. I love it. Yeah. You know, here's the thing that's really what's captivated me. Really what got me interested in skincare is that I have a dad who's 75 years old this year. And in 1984, he had a car accident and left him paralyzed from the mid back down. Oh, so for 40 years, we've dealt with non-healing ulcers. And so these, these decubitus ulcers. And so he had a non-healing wound on his right butt cheek that wouldn't heal. And so probably it's probably been 15 years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I started making a topical nitric oxide that I would put inside his wound that would release nitric oxide. All the wound care docs I told him, I took him to, they said, you'll never heal this wound. Well, I started making nitric oxide, putting it into the wound and the wound healed. I'm going, holy smokes, there's, there's clinical application for this. So now we're developing that as an FDA drug. But prior to that, we brought it to market as a skincare. Because if you think about skincare and beauty products, most of the products on the market are there to hide or mask the blemishes, hide the wrinkles. What we do is we get to the root cause of your fine lines and wrinkles and your acne and your inflammation and age spot. If we can restore blood flow, we also improve mobilization of stem cells. So we improve cellular turnover. The old cells slough off. We get new cells that are fully hydrated, more collagen, and you get improved the tone, texture, and clarity of the skin. So that's what our nitric oxide serum does. And it's and that product is called N101 Nitric Oxide Activating Serum. And the website is N101.com. So we are back to the elements. I got you. Okay. So <laughs> I cannot wait to share this with everybody, but here's our homework. I would like to okay. try anything you'll let me. And then I need you to come back on the air, Nathan. Can you do that? No, I'd love to. Look, we're moving very rapidly. You know, we've got drugs in FDA phase three clinical trials. It's, you know, we've been very successful in the supplement and skincare, but, you know, I'm trained as a drug discovery chemist. We have to be able to get this, this technology 
in the hands of everybody worldwide. And we have to be able to provide physicians with safe and effective medications that they can now prescribe to their patients. And the only way we do that is go through the rigor of FDA clinical trials and to get these drugs on the market. So that's my objective is to deliver safe and effective nitric oxide product technology in every major market segment around the world. So we're moving very quickly. And, you know, I'd love to come back on, especially after you've had a chance to try the product. But, you know, there's always something new happening in the nitric oxide field. I feel like we're moving it forward. And it's my objective to inform and educate and really dispel a lot of these deceptive marketing techniques that many companies are employing, trying to take your money. Nathan, I cannot thank you enough. So there's so many exciting things to share. Thank you for setting up a discount for the On Air with Ella community so that they can try this too. But this is just the beginning of a longer conversation, I think, Nathan. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and all the links shared today at onairella.com. There's no with, it's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.